0: Now, he says, and as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white, like light. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which was about, he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Let's, let's look at Mark chapter 9 as well. Verse 1. Now six days. After six days. Stranger. The guy says eight. This one says six. Right? Now after six days Jesus took Peter, James, John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining. And exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launder on earth can whiten them. <laughs> Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Now, there's a principle here of the Spirit that I want us to observe and endeavor to get into tonight, uh, today. Now. Jesus had just finished his preaching six days before on the kingdom of God, the glory of God. And six days after, deliberately, he takes them up on a high mountain and from there, he prays. As he prays, his face alters, His clothes alter. All of a sudden, Jesus is changed. It's not the Jesus who they went with up on the mountain. He's different. They see his glory. They see the effulgence of his spirit. And as they're watching, here's Moses. Here's Elijah. Where were they? Where do they come from? How did they travel from where they were? Who, where they found themselves. And by what means, by what right, by what law were these men who were out of the earth for so long given permission now to communicate with Jesus. All of this is instigated by prayer. All this is invoked by prayer. The Bible doesn't tell us how long he prayed. And the Bible does not tell us. Because here's 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 what's important for us to know. And for us to ask. When Jesus' face showed. When Jesus' face transfigured. The Bible says he became light. Right? He altered into light. Now, could those down on the mountain see that light? That's what we must ask. Because what we want to find out. Is whether or not this particular uh, experience encounter is taking place in the spirit. Right? Or it's taking place on earth. Is the spirit now on earth? Or are these beings now in the spirit? That's what we must find out. But you we can we can we can deduce from the event after that this had to be something that Jesus showed these men in the spirit. Because Jesus says to them, strangely, Jesus says to them this. Let me show you. We there? Let's go to Mark 17. Mark 17. Uh, Matthew 17. (laughs) Matthew 17. Verse 9. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them saying, Tell the vision. To Noah. When we read it from the Gospels, it looks like an, a literalized experience. But it was something that was happening to the disciples, not to Jesus. You understand? So, what was actually happening is that the disciples were shown who Jesus is. Because it was a vision. On Jesus' part, it was normal. On Jesus' part, it was a natural occurrence. On the disciples' part, he says, Tell the vision to no one. So, with the disciples, the experience that took place on Mount Transfiguration was actually a vision. Was actually a vision. But the principle is that what opened them up to the vision. And the encounter in the spirit was prayer. So, this must have been a different kind of prayer that Jesus prayed from the usual. Hmm. So, if we can engage and know that prayer and engage in it, it's only fair that we get the same results If we can find out what he said we will get the same results because the prayer was was not for Jesus was for the disciples He took 3 of them for a purpose was for a reason Remember what Jesus said to them he says he said to he said to them 8 days before he says For surely some of you will not die until you see the kingdom of God and the Son of Man in his glory. So what Jesus took the three up on the mountain for was for this very purpose. So three things happened. Jesus ascended the mountain with the disciples. Notice, Those who are not on the mountain did not see the vision. Telling us that there is a certain place in the spirit we must reach for these things to be quickened. Remember God said something to to Moses. Okay, let's read it. Let's read it. Uh, Exodus. Exodus. Uh, Chapter 24. (laughs) Chapter 24, verse 1. Now he said to Moses, come up to the Lord. Notice, notice, come up to the Lord. There are times when the Lord comes down to you. But there are times where you come up to the Lord. Now, coming up to the Lord is the effort that the human makes to contact the divine. Now, it was an invitation. Right? You and Aaron, Nadab, Abihu and the 70 of elders and worship from afar, right? Let's read verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablet of stone and the law the commandments which I have written that you may teach them. Why didn't the Lord just come down and give Moses? Just come up, come up to the Lord, come up to me on the mountain. Jesus and the disciples ascended the mountain. So, there is the process of ascension that must take place. But how do we ascend? How do we ascend? Revelations 4. Verse 1. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, or a door open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up, come up here. here. Come up here, and I will show. Same thing God said to Moses. Same thing that happened to the disciples. They were shown. They were shown who Jesus was. And they were shown Jesus' communication with beings in the other dimension. Come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. So from these we can see that there are things that God will not say to us until we are there. There are things that God will not communicate with us until we have ascended. There are things that will not be spoken to us. There are things that will not be revealed to us until we come up to where he is. To where he is. And notice what happens. He says, Immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one set on the throne. The principle is the same, all across. It's the same for Moses, same for the apostles. Same for John. What is it? Invitation. We rise by invitation. We are sent by the invitation of God. Jesus invited the three to rise with him to the mountain. Notice, they had to go up to the mountain. The transfiguration didn't happen down. It happened up there. It happened up there on the mountain. So, it looked like the mountain was... A spiritual geolocation for ascension. When Jesus ascended, where did he ascend from? When he went to heaven? Where did he ascend from? From Mount Olives, not from down the mountain, from Mount Olives. When Jesus is coming back again, where, where is the first place he's going to land? Mount Olives. So you can see where did God meet Moses on a mountain? Now, this is both literal and metaphoric, right? Literal in the fact that they ascended physical mountains. Metaphoric in the sense that there is a spiritual process of ascending to God. Because the Bible says the Lord dwells on the mountains, the hills of Zion. That's where you find him. Says you have come unto Mount Zion. The city of the living God. So where God truly is is on the mountains. On the pinnacles of mountains. Right? Correct? So Jesus showed us the principle. He showed us the way. He said we must pray. We must pray. So the invitation is, is already there. You see the invitation to ascend the mountain of God is already there. So what prayer is. Is the process of ascension. But prayer is not only the main factor involved here. Guess what it is? The soul. The soul. The soul. The soul. The soul is actually the main factor. To the ascension of your consciousness and your spirit. So he says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall, they shall exchange their strength. Then he says, he says, notice, the next thing that happens after your strength is renewed. He says, they will what? They rise. They mount up. Telling us something very, very important that we don't rise until we are strengthened. So, an infusion of strengthening needs to take place in order for the mounting process to begin. But, what's the first principle? You wait on the Lord. So, prayer is not the end game, it's a means to an end. You wait. You wait, you wait, you wait. To kavah It's not just a passive wait. Is is the waiting to intertwine, to mingle with God. A mingling with the spirit of God. That's what prayer produces. A mingling. A mingling. Until you are both one. You are threaded together. You are threaded into the spirit of God and he's threaded into you. Then he says, you will renew your strength. You will exchange your strength. That means you will take the strength of God. I mean, you will give God his strength for, your strength for his strength. And when that has happened, he says, you will mount up with wings. With wings. With wings. You will mount up with wings. So there are literal wings in the spirit that will help us carry us. Into the dimensions of God. So the goal of prayer. Is to reach. There. Is to reach. God. Whether it is the throne room of God. Whether whether it is. The, the city of God. But the goal. Is to enter. To rise. Ascend into the spirit dimension. Now, is that possible? Yes, Jesus showed us. Jesus the Bible says, while he was praying, he changed. Notice, Peter is the one telling these guys, Luke was not there, Mark was not there, Uh, Matthew was not there. Only the three of them were there. So it was the three of them that were relaying this story. Either one of them was relaying this story. So they said, his face shape we saw it we saw it it's not something that affected jesus it affected them but it was jesus praying it was jesus praying that was a catalyst it's, it's like what happened with with the Amabera. remember came running running and said hey, hey, hey my lord my lord they're all around us. He says, Relax, boy. Relax, relax. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. Then the prophet said, Father, open his eyes. And his eyes opened. He said, My Lord, my father, my father, the chariot of fire, and the horsemen, they're all. They're surrounding this whole place. What ignited it? Prayer is the key to visions. Prayer is the key to encounters. Uh, And I'm going to touch on the second second part now. Prayer is the key to ascension. Prayer is the key to strengthening. So, I said the soul, right? I'll tell you why the soul. Now, they saw Elijah and Moses. Now, these beings, Moses is dead. Elisha ascended to heaven. But it seems like they were both in heaven. That's why, that's why I told you that the first person, the first person to, I mean, the third person to go into heaven was Moses. Moses did not go to hell. His body did not go to Shuel because Moses was special, right? Even the Bible tells us that Satan and Michael were fighting over his body. So Satan surely didn't get his body because Michael debuted Michael rebuked him, you understand? So it's obvious that God took his body because the Bible says God buried him and he was not found. So it's obvious that Moses' spirit went to heaven. Now Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah. They're talking about his death. The disciples are there, they are looking at this thing. Peter says, hey, let's build one for you, one for Moses, one for you. How did they know then? Because they lived in a time when they did not exist and there was no photos. So how does Peter know this is Elijah? How does Peter know this is Moses? Because Jesus never tells them. Peter was babbling. Tells us something. They were in the spirit. They were in the spirit. So whatever was taking place was in the spirit. All of them were in the spirit because of Jesus' prayer. The Bible says he prayed, not they, he prayed and they were affected. So they were in the spirit and they are seeing all these things. But he knows Elijah, he knows Moses. What is that? What is happening? And they are participants in this encounter. They are participating in this encounter. So it tells us another dimension that prayer opens up. Okay. Because this one is important. And this is the reason why Christians this side on earth is weak. This one. Okay, let's read Ephesians. Because Elijah and Moses proved to us that all the other patriarchs are living and alive and are active. And are active. (laughs) Ephesians chapter three. Verse 14. He says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? From whom the whole family, the whole family in heaven is named. Not two families. It's one. One family. He says the entire family of God, those who are already in heaven and those who are on earth is named by one name. So when we're referring to the body of Christ, we are not referring only to members in the earth, but members in heaven. So their participation in the advancement of the church on earth is essential. Meaning, we cannot progress without them. They cannot progress without us. That's why Jesus needed to speak with Moses. And what were, what were they saying to him? What was he saying to him? The Bible says they were talking to him about his death about his death. So it tells us that the the involvement of the heavenly family is essential to our success in the ministry of Christ here on earth. So the body of Christ on earth has the agency or the help or the aid of the Holy Spirit, the aid of the angels, and the aid of the saints. We have ignored the communion, the aid of the saints. Why? Because we have not yet been rightly taught. The Bible says, See, we have such a great cloud of witness. I cannot Maybe I should help you understand that scripture. Ne? Let's go there to that scripture. I want to show you something. Hebrews. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 12. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. You will be shocked. Huh? You will be shocked. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded, since we are surrounded, since we are surrounded, by so great cloud of witnesses, since we are surrounded. you know what that word means, surrounded? Yeah? It means to be bound together. Hmm. To hang on. So it's telling us that spiritually, we are, it's not surrounded, it's like, no, no. The word there, means to be bound together to be glued together so it's telling us that we are we are we are bounded together with the cloud of witness when jesus ascended who was waiting for him up uh, who was waiting it's not a physical cloud it's not it's a cloud the witnesses Notice, oh, brothers and sisters, I When, remember, when Jesus rose from the dead, he was not the only one that rose. All the other patriarchs that were waiting for him rose together with him, and they appeared to those in Jerusalem, remember? But they couldn't go to heaven alone. They needed to go with Jesus. But when Jesus was speaking to his disciples on Mount Olive, he was alone. Where were they? They were waiting for him out. Because the Bible says he was received up into a cloud. So it was the very same cloud of witnesses that were raised from the dead. That's who we call the first fruits of the resurrection. All about Abraham, all those guys, David and them, they were waiting for him up. When he comes back, he comes back with the same cloud the same cloud he's coming back with. So that the family in heaven and the family on earth will meet together in the air with the Lord. But meanwhile, he tell, he's telling us that these ones are bound. So there's a dimension in the spirit that exists where our link to these heavenly saints has been bonded, has been preserved. It's called the communion of the saints. The Bible says we are one bread, many pieces, one bread. So when, the, when when we talk about the body of Christ, many people do not talk about the saints because they think no, they did. But Jesus said, God is not the God of the He's the God of the So they talk about them. In in the sense that it's just us here on earth. But our failure to comprehend and apprehend the communion of the saints is what's causing us to regress. For instance, I'll give you an example. John, the Bible tells us that he received, he, he received the revelation of Jesus Christ from an angel who was a prophet at one point in time. Because when he wanted to worship that prophet twice in chapter 19 and 22, that prophet said, no, I am one of your brethren and your fellow servants, the prophets. So it's either he got the revelation from Enoch, Elijah, Moses, or John the Baptist. Those are the only four that that actually are in that realm where they could give him those revelations. And I believe it's the ancient one, Enoch. But there's proof that it might be John the Baptist. Nevertheless, that's for another day. But for now, what I want you to notice is that the entire book of Revelation was from one of the prophets, one of the saints. Ah. And Jesus took them up there purposefully. It was intentional. He wanted them to see that conversation. Telling us that that was not the first time that Jesus was actually communicating with these guys. But what opened it up? Prayer. Prayer opened this dimension up. When God spoke to Joshua, he said to him in in, in Zechariah, he said, if, if you will be faithful, I will give you places to walk among these. I will give you places to walk among these. Not only talking about the angels, but also talking about the saints. The saints. Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4, the Bible says he heard a voice that said, this decree is by the watchers. And this sentence by the holy ones. Now, Who are the watchers? Who are holy ones? Holy, holy ones. And that word only appears there in Daniel. In no other book does it appear. Holy ones. Now, you must ask yourself, is there a place in the Bible where angels are referred to as holy ones? No. The only speciation that I refer to as the holy words is God and saints. So it was the decree of the watchers and the decree of the saints that caused Nebuchadnezzar to lose his kingdom and to be like one of the beasts. Not God. You know, I read that. I was, hey, not God. This is the decree of the watchers. And the sentence of the Holy One. Not God. So the decision for Nebuchadnezzar to lose his kingdom and to be like the beast came from the watchers and the Holy Ones. Hey! Watchers and the Holy Ones. Meaning that there are a class of beings that have certain authorities to remove kingdoms. To remove kings. And to reestablish them. on behalf of the ancient of days and nebuchadnezzar not daniel nebuchadnezzar saw them saw the watchers saw the holy ones Amen. man a man was engaged in the spirit with these beings with angelic beings with saintly means. So it tells us something. That there is a certain place in God that we are still to rise into. You see that? There is the place of vision. But what we are referring to is encounters, experiences, live experience, where you participate. See, most visions you don't participate, right? Some visions, see, visions that where you are passive, where you are are the subject, the onlooker, there's a vision. An experience is when you are participating. An encounter is when you are participating in an activity in the dimension of the spirit. Hmm. But he says prayer is what unlocks it. Prayer is what unlocks it, but I said it's a means to an end. But the major factor here is the soul. The major factor is the soul. Unless the soul is is calibrated right, it's impossible for the spirit to awaken. Now, here's the thing: here's the thing that I want I want us to get here before we get into prayer. The soul, the role of the soul is to interface. The dimension of the spirit to your mind and to interface the dimension of man to your mind. So the soul is an interfacer, that's true. role. So if the soul is calibrated spiritually, the, the soul will perceive more spiritually than naturally. He who sets, yeah, he who sets. His affections on the things of the flesh. His soul is what? Fleshly. So it depends on the, 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 the set the setting of your soul. So prayer is important, but until your soul is set right, it's impossible for you to ascend. It's impossible for you to engage the spirit realm. Is it possible? impossible absolutely impossible there is the doctrine many people don't know this but I'll teach you to uh, teach a little bit about it the the doctrine of of dual location dual location is a biblical doctrine where your spirit is already with Christ but your spirit is here on earth too. The Bible says we are seated but you are on earth you are in. You are the Bible tells you you are seated with Him in, and your life is hid with Christ in. where Christ is in heaven, your spirit is with, in heaven, but your spirit is also here. But th- th- that's the, that's the doctrine of dual location. I'll teach on that one day. But what makes the difference? So. Is, is your spirit the one that's rising? Or is your soul? Your soul. It can't be your spirit. Because your, your soul is what facilitates consciousness. Is what facilitates awareness. So until your spirit or, or your consciousness awakes, the reality of the abode of your spirit will not be known to you. So what must happen? What is the thing that you must do in order for your consciousness or for your soul to awaken into the consciousness of the heavenly? What must happen, or what must you do to get yourself into that dimension? Because as a Christian, you have all the necessary access, the legal access, directly into encounters with God. But the limitation is now your soul. It says, if you be risen with Christ, set your minds on things above and not on earth. So you you are supposed not not God, you. So the one that is responsible for accessing visions or accessing encounters or accessing experiences is you. Because the, the spirit realm is like now. is like now. You're you, you are not in the United States. You are oblivious to what's happening in the United States currently, right? But concurrently, you, you are being... South Africa is as active as the United States, right? But that you don't know what's happening on that side does not mean that that side is not active. Do you understand what I'm saying? So... What, what needs to happen not for you to know is that you need to tune in or you either need to be there physically. So what matters or what's a factor here? Your consciousness, your awareness. So the, the activities of the spirit are always taking place. The, the point at which you see the vision is not that point at which the vision is happening. Because it is a vision to you but it is what? It is an activity already taking place in the spirit. You understand? It, it, it's an activity. It, they are they are, they are saying, oh, vision. No, no, no. It's an activity. It's something that is continuously happening. It just so happens that at that time, your spirit and the spirit spiritualized your soul long enough for you to capture what is taking place in the spirit. But as far as the spirit realm is concerned, it's taking place. So the time at which we see visions is not the time at which the experience or the activity is occurring. But you can be like Jesus, utilizing the medium of prayer and what I call the ascendancy of the soul into the presence of God. So he says, set your mind on things above. says, you can set it. You set your mind on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So the location is the right hand of God. The location is the throne of God. The right hand of God. That's the location where Christ is seated at the right hand. So the activity is taking place there. Where you are to deliberately set your mind on. Fixate your mind on. In order for your soul to ascend in consciousness, in awareness. So the point at which your spiritual eyes or your spiritual ears open is the point at which your soul and your spirit are in alignment, are in harmony. So how do you get to that place fast? How do you get to that place in the quickest way possible? Jesus said something. Come unto me. Come unto me, all you who are heavy, laden, and weary. And I shall give you rest, a read peace, for your souls. Notice, not for your heart, not for your body. He <laughs> says, I will give you what? Rest. Your souls, so your soul must be in a place of, and the place of rest is peace. So you must get peace into your soul, and there is a there is a spiritual way to get peace into your soul. It's easy. It's easy. You shall keep him in perfect peace, whose mind. Imagination. Yeah. Not, your, not your thoughts. Not your logical thoughts. Your imagination. Your yetah Whose mind is stayed. St- stayed. Whose mind is stayed on you. See, that's, where, that's where peace is imparted. So, you can't get peace any other way. Except setting your yetah on the Lord. Your, your dianoia on the Lord. Your imagination, the faculty of pictures, creativity, imaginations on the Lord. So what is your duty in prayer? And in in protracted prayer like this is to fight to fix your soul, your mind on the Lord. That's, That's what triggers what? That's what triggers ascendancy. That's what triggers encounters. That's what triggers the communion of the saints. So you get your soul engaged with the Lord. You see? And you see, here's 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 where you start. Here's where you start. You start in prayer. You start using Jesus as an object in the scriptures, in the gospels of your mind. That's where you start in imagining, start imagining the work of the Lord. How the Lord moved, how the Lord healed. You take that one thing and you put it in your mind. You put it in your imagination. You just pray in the spirit. And you open up yourself to the visions of God. To the ascendancy of your soul. So that's what we're going to do today. We're just going to set our minds on the Lord and we're going to pray and 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 pray. You get to a place in prayer where your spirit is no longer, is, is functioning independently from your body. From your soul that's where you know you are with the lord and that's what we're gonna aim for today all right Amen. that's what we're gonna aim for today we're gonna aim to reach that place in prayer all right and you see how here's the thing when you when you enter pray, those kind of prayer it's important that see see how here's how your body is the have you noticed especially when you pray right? it happens mostly when you pray you can't sit for more than 10 minutes or more than 20 minutes without standing up if you watch a movie you can sit 2 hours, 3 hours and not move an inch but then you start praying you kneel down you walk you sit you walk around it's not normal it's normal but it's not normal because it's telling you that your body is doing what? It's restless. If your body is restless, that means your mind is restless. You see that? So what you do is that you find a position where you can get your, your body to, to flow to spirit. You see? Get your body now to be in rhythm with your spirit. So if you're standing, you stand at least for a long time without doing anything. That way your body gets calm. And your mind gets calm. So your focus now becomes concentrated. Then maybe after an hour or so, that's when now you know, okay, my body and my mind, my spirit they are in alignment. There's rhythm. There's rhythm. So now your body will have no choice but to follow the rhythm of your spirit. Jack, you can sit like this, watch TV, two hours. Your body will not move an inch. Why is the flesh? It lights it. Mm. You see, it's not, prayer is, is not a normalized environment for the flesh. Because it requires that the flesh go completely dead, silent. So long prayer, you you discover a lot of things about your flesh and your soul in long prayer. Mm. So we're getting into.